your mentor and elder was talking about. My grandmother used to say the same thing to me. You know, she always used to say, my girl, if, if you're nervous, I don't care if your voice is shaky. You talk, you speak. Because we weren't allowed to speak before as women, and we weren't even heard as Indigenous people. So I take the opportunity to um, share our story, you know, as the face of our company. And um, we have a very passionate team. It's great to, uh, to do what we do. It's interesting. You're listening to One Feather, Two Pens. Lessons and stories from Indigenous peoples building and navigating digital sovereignty. A special series on What's That Noise? It is uh, really a privilege and an honor to be sitting here today with you, Melissa, and you tell me and, and whoever is joining us uh, for uh, a very, uh, what I know is going to be an amazing conversation with Melissa Hardy-Giles, owner of Origin. And as we get into this session, I, I want to just take a moment to recognize and acknowledge that we are coming to you from various territories and lands, unceded lands and territories of Indigenous people across Turtle Island or or in this case, contained perhaps to Canada, Canada's portion of Turtle Island. And I just want to put our hands up and acknowledge that that we are coming to you from these places and that we have a tremendous amount of respect and love and appreciation for being able to do the work, to live, to raise our families, to use these technologies, to share with you from these places. And thank you. Uh, for that. I'm coming to you from the unceded traditional territories of the Songhees uh, and Esquimalt people, the Lekwungen speaking people from Victoria, British Columbia. Hands up to them for making me feel so welcome here and being a part of who we are as a, as a technology company in Victoria that serves First Nations across the country. And to wherever you are as an Indigenous person, wherever you may be, thank you and acknowledge that um, you are amazing, that you are loved, and that uh, we're all here to build our communities uh, in good ways and to make space so that whatever the future looks like for us as Indigenous people, whether we frame that as reconciliation or some other mechanism to lift our people up, that we're here to do that uh, and to do our best to do that. And that we hope that you enjoy this podcast and our conversation with Melissa. So where I come from, we say, Hala Kesla, Hala Kesla. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for that, Lawrence, as ever. I really, really appreciate that. Melissa, thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast. I've been selfishly, admittedly, really excited to have you on. <laughs> um, as I was getting to know a little bit more about you and your business, I, I became really impressed with the the effort and the work and the commitment behind your company and yourself, of course, to work through tech to remove barriers for Indigenous people to enter in the digital space. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd love to hear more about you and what you do. Jimmy Gwetch for the opportunity. An Indigenous cause, Melissa Hardy-Giles. I'm from uh, Red Rock Indian Band from Lake Helen Razor. And I speak to you today, actually, from Winnipeg, Ontario. I'm here for the Manitowabi uh, Festival this weekend, along with three other uh, originites. Uh, <laughs> we're here for the weekend. So um, I'm really happy to be speaking with you today. And I'm also speaking to you from the Treaty um, Number 1 territory, the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe Ojibwe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dene, and the Dakota. So, Jimmy Could you tell us for a moment more about your company and the work that you do? I think our, our listeners have been uh, quite excited to learn more about the important work that you're doing in the digital space. In 
2009, um, Origin was founded as Hardy Giles Consulting originally, and we focused on workforce development and recruitment organization. Even then, we were connecting individuals to job opportunities by creating employment journeys. Um, and the, at that time, it was specifically for people on the reserve. In 2014, we introduced technology. And the way we did that is we had purchased some Caterpillar uh, simulators so they're exact replica of different heavy equipment simulators. Um, the reason we did that is that we also know that um, a lot of um, industry want wanted to work with our communities. And um, most of the time, you know, when they um, come and they present the project, um, they know that, um, you know, they the industry partners, you know, say we'll bring economy to your to your community and the community gets excited to have their community members work on the project. However, um, there's not enough time most times for us to get our people ready in order to be mm -hmm. working um, on these projects. So it ends up being these uh, industry partners with the community bring their own people. Um, the, you know, the economy leaves our, our uh, mm -hmm. communities at the time. So what we try to do is, um, you know, um, it allows our team to travel to these communities now um, with these simulators and access these individuals before these projects are, you know, going and get started. And then we can, you know, also connect them really quickly then to career placements. Um, so in 2018 now, um, Immersive Link lo uh, launched um, back then. It seems like so long ago now, right? 2019, before COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that time, right? Like before yeah. COVID, everything, yeah. yeah exactly, Everything's exactly measured right. in before COVID, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, 2018, Immersive Link launched. Um, Immersive Link is a 360 video content library. Uh, we host two sections. One is a career section and the other one is a cultural section with uh, two or different experiences for both. Hmm. So generation one basically shows a day in a life of different careers. Right. Um, you know, different careers that we have available across Canada. Um, not sure about you, YouTube, but when I grew up, education was pushed, pushed, pushed. Mm -hmm. um, it's still super important. Um, you know, university, was push, 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 and all like years and years of um, education was always pushed secondary education. And now we are, and I found that trades were almost considered, you know, not as good or not, mm -hmm. um, you know, sought after as much. Interestingly enough, you know, now we're finding our, our, our nation you know, with work shortages up to 400,000 400, jobs and trades that are that wow. are empty and that are available. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we started our, initially why we started our career library. And speaking to the cultural library, uh, we work with knowledge keepers across Canada to share important traditions and their stories, all a part of, you know, of course, supporting reconciliation and, and mm -hmm. education and cultural awareness. Um, in 2021, we expanded the product offering with Immersive Link, um, considered Generation 2. And basically what that what Gen 2 does is it creates an opportunity for aptitude testings, mm. testing and the application of knowledge. 
So basically what a user can do is to go and navigate, navigate through the experience um, using a map function. And each location, there'll be different assets. So there'll be photos, right. videos, um, infographics, et cetera, to support the users and understanding of the content. Um, and of, of course, all with the focus of connecting individuals to career and to culture. So it sounds like a bit of a map is created in terms of where mm-hmm. that individual is. And then, and then you're building kind of pathways or roadmaps for them to kind of, you know, for example, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, to build uh, capacities in particular streams or channels, if you like, or pathways that would um, help them be more successful. Is that, is that part of it yeah, as well? Abso- yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, That's cool. Absolutely. I just, you know, um, I just remember being a youth on the res and I grew up in a small town and uh, for some reason, I didn't want to leave home. Mm. I don't, I can't tell you now because I travel all over the place and I love to travel. <laughs> but at the time, you know, I had blinders on and yeah. it was like, okay, what do I want to, you know, what could I do here? How can Melissa fit into my community of 1500 people? Yeah. And, um, you know, on the reserve. So you just think about jobs at the band office or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the typical nurse hairdresser, <laughs> you know, police teacher (laughs) type of things. And nowadays there's just so much out there that I think it's important to bring all experiences as much as we can to youth to decide, you know, where they, what they want to do rather than fitting them into a circle when they could be a square. Like how many nations now have you worked with? Because I know on, on cab it says 60, but I'm I'm sure it's more than that. Oh, hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. As an owner of the company, like, tell me a little bit about the impact that you feel when you go in and you deliver these, these these learning opportunities or these virtual training sessions. Well, I could probably show you some videos, but anytime, <laughs> anytime any youth, especially youth, uh, put on the headsets and experience anything yeah. in the VR, they're like rolling on the floor. They're like, wow, oh my goodness. And wow, this is an, you know, all a different kind of yeah. language <laughs> appropriate and not um, being shouted out. And they're super excited. And I think yeah. that they're, you know, for our, our indigenous people, there's a huge sense of pride because they see their culture hmm. on this technology and, and yeah. you know, and um, it's just so exciting. It's yeah. just so exciting to see how, we've changed as a people in our country. I've been really biting my lip <laughs> trying not to, <laughs> to speak up and interject with, with a million questions because I am, I am so fascinated by what you're sharing with us. This is so interesting. And it, especially because, you know, we just talked about like a measure of a pandemic, one and a half pandemics later, here we are, we're talking about <laughs> VR and right. we, we saw what happened with meta and um, the, the, the withdrawal of the investment into the, the metaverse as it were. You're using VR and AR in a really, really exciting, compelling way. And it's a showcase mm-hmm. for a, a multitude of different kinds of indigenous cultures and identities. Yeah. And so as, as people are listening to us right now, I can imagine like our casual listeners thinking, well, what does that even look like? Could you walk us through in a little bit more detail what it is that you mean by a map when, when a young indigenous person puts on your headset? What is it that they're experiencing? What are they exactly interacting with? Right. So I think that the best way to answer that is to um, to say that this technology has allowed community members to have a greater insight in the employment opportunities that are out there. Uh, prior to this, 
there was only job descriptions and job ads out there right. where you can refer to, which doesn't translate to our to anyone right now, right? Like everything <laughs> is technology based. So it's like, yeah, when they when people get a fax or <laughs> a what? or whatever. Exactly, right. <laughs> so yeah, so obviously, you know, the kids are like, what, 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 what F word was that type of thing? So obviously this opens, um, um, opportunities, increases excitement, right. For, for, for any, any new role that they're, they're yeah. excited about. Um, so initially the plan was to have standalone headsets specifically because our Northern communities don't have the bandwidth up North. And uh, so what we mm. did was we made sure that um, the software that we use is as a standalone, like it's built right in the headset. And right. all we do is we load things in mm. and they don't need Wi-Fi to access. So once you have it, you have it. And that right. was super important for us because of our sp- spread out and wide. Yeah. You know, wide reach for our communities in the north. Um, in regards to the career side, uh, it provides information uh, that an access to uh, the work sites that job seekers wouldn't necessarily be able to access otherwise because of safety, uh, red tape, whatever, right? Right. And so basically, especially, especially for remote communities, because they don't even have access for when it does, <laughs> when they do, do, do come to their communities, right? Yeah, so this yeah. is kind of gives them a, a realistic view on, on different opportunities. Um, in regards to the cultural side, capturing knowledge uh, for the generations to come and preserving our knowledge. You know, like I, every time I speak, I speak about my uh, late grandmother, uh, my mama, we called her um, Agnes mm-hmm. Hardy. She would tell stories all the time. You know, she would sit with us and mm-hmm. try to teach us, um, you know, the language and whatever. And if what I could do, like what I would do to turn back time to have her be a knowledge keeper and and share everything, you know, just like a sponge to share everything and preserve it and to keep it. I think that's uh, like so important. It's not only also for like indigenous people that are already connecting to their or fully connected to their culture. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are reconnecting to our indigenous culture. Right. So um, that's like, I, I just love it because every time that we, um, you know, record or meet with a knowledge keeper. I learn something mm, all the time, you know, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. it's just interesting because, you know, a lot of Canadians kind of paint us Indigenous people with one brush. Yeah. And they think that uh, we all practice the same way. Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, we all do when it comes down to the to the to the root of it but there's so many gifts that we have across our nation that i think it's important for us to share and to spotlight and to preserve right mm-hmm. and i mean it's also a great opportunity for non-indigenous people to learn more Absolutely. directly from you know directly from knowledge keepers we've asked you to give a visual description of something that's happening in an audio recording so that was that was awesome <laughs> 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 yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
as I'm listening and I'm thinking, wow, like what an amazing way to kind of reimagine if you like, let's talk about recording the knowledge keepers, right? And actually having those people actually providing their uh, understanding of the world and those traditions and practices and just the stories. Um, and when I think about, you know, how we, we've come from an oral tradition, right? And now we have these technologies that allow that oral tradition to continue, but also live on beyond uh, any time and space. And so when you're building these technologies and delivering these technologies, how are you thinking about those things? Like, how are you thinking about that Indigenous lens and our lived experience and how and how we can deliver something that continues to matter and has impact inside of our Indigenous communities? You know, storytelling is, is everything. Mm-hmm. When we share together, we learn from each other and we learn together. I think it's so important for people to start listening to our people and we're the experts, right? Yeah. And I know that there's been, you know, some talk at times, some people don't quite understand how we do the the cultural library. Right. Um, what we do is we, you know, when we do meet with the knowledge keeper, all the respect in the world is given tobacco is offered and our ask is to share what you want to share Mm -hmm. and we sit down and we do a storyboard with them and what they do is um you know we make sure that everything that they want to say is written out and planned out they okay it you know um we don't go ahead and and add anything that or, you know, change anything. Um, everything's done with the um, utmost respect. Uh, we also, you know, in regards to ceremony, mm-hmm. we have, you know, um, an experience, say, for instance, on the full moon ceremony. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we have a knowledge keeper speaking about what the ceremony is, why they do the ceremony. We have her, um, you know, harvesting cedar Hmm. while she's while she's talking um we we go into the teepee and we have them you know setting up and preparing however we do pan out there is nothing that's shared everything is done you know with the utmost respect and um i think that's really important for everyone to know because i think some people might think that it's um you know that the sacredness is not being respected but 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 it is it's so important and it just, uh, as long, you know, I just, I just think about myself. Like I said, every time that we, we film a knowledge keeper, meet with a knowledge keeper, I learned so much and I never grew up in my cult with my culture being, you know, um, kind of embraced. So this has been an adventure. It's been, um, such a blessing i've met so many people and yeah. we've touched so many people and so many people have touched us so <laughs> i always say to you know like it's not about um our uh you know our pocketbooks or anything mm. like that I, I just always believe that if we do good good will come to us yeah and good will come to others as well um through what we do so
the importance of, of capturing and preserving and the intimacy of these experiences when you go to remote areas, Melissa. And something that's really captivated me here is I've been wondering about this, this idea of digital indigeneity is to sort of put myself in the shoes of a listener and say, like, what, what does that even mean, really? Indigeneity to originate or occur as a matter of fact in a place naturally. And then you add digital on top of it. And it might look like originating from the digital, which isn't quite accurate. And yet I'm hearing from you that there's this power of bringing VR into communities that aren't connected. I've never thought about digital indigeneity, is my point, from this perspective that it can exist in places mm -hmm. that are not connected. I think we all presuppose <laughs> that the digital is made possible by the fact that the internet's always on and there's always Wi-Fi or some sort of tower that you can plug into. Mm -hmm. And we're hearing very much the opposite. And I'm wondering if this is animating um, a different way of talking about or thinking about or conceptualizing digital indigeneity for you. When I think about um, digital indigeneity, it allows for Indigenous people to have a voice. It won't be skewed by anyone. Mm. You see the person, you hear the person, you're, you're with the person, especially like virtual reality. It's, it's like you're sitting there speaking with the person. Um, and it also allows a widespread education and connection to Indigenous people uh, nationwide, right? All, all type of people from all types of, you know, different territories mm. and, uh, you know, tons of stories to be um, told and to, to learn from. Um, in regards to activism, if I can say that, it's, it, it, offers, it offers the opportunity to bring more attention um, to important issues that may not be covered in the mainstream uh, media right. otherwise, and uh, the increase of number of people involved in supporting these causes, you know, such as you know, Orange, Orange Shirt Day, you know, like, boom, <laughs> exploded. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely um, some power there, absolutely. You know, we've, we've done a few of these uh, podcasts now and, and I'm always just super amazed at um, the inventory of amazing Indigenous people out there doing some crazy innovative stuff, right? You know, going out into communities and, and doing the, the, the virtual reality work that you're doing, uh, especially with communities that aren't, aren't even connected. I mean, I mean, you, 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 you identify the barriers, you you just you know you design or discover solutions some of them with intent i suppose some of them by accident like oh i guess maybe next time we'll do it this way <laughs> <laughs> um what advice do you have for others who are in this space or or looking to be in this space or as you go in the communities and, and i'm sure you've come across uh young folk who say this is so cool i want to do this technology right maybe i don't want to maybe i want to you know i i want to i want to do some discovery here in terms of what what virtual reality looks like um or could look like from my perspective as an indigenous person or how could i use this to tell my story i'm sure those questions come up like like how do, what does that look and feel like for you when you're out there and and how do you what guidance or um gifts do you give to kind of help folks along well, interestingly enough, um, we do workshops uh, across the nation and uh, we've had um, summer youth program, uh, origin summer youth program, and they were to design their own uh, 360 experience. And it was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was just, I, could, I couldn't believe the messages you know, that some of the youth were, were giving. I mean, yeah, the, the filming and 
whatever, you know, wasn't the yeah. best or whatever, but oh my goodness, <laughs> like the, the views that they wanted to share and the, uh, especially the youth views. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's so important that we always include our youth and our elders in, um, and being, uh, have a say, have a say in, on how things, mm-hmm. how things, you know, how to do things and, and how to move forward. Um, so we've also, you know, done these workshops up north too with different um, um, communities and uh, even as far as the Gwich'in community up north. And that's in the uh, the Northwest Territories. And so we've done, you know, dr- drones. We've let them, you know, go around with the drones. <laughs> we've let them, you know, and like I said, when are they ever going to have access to do that? Yeah, <laughs> when are they going to, yeah. you know not in the mainstream world, you know? So we always try to, to teach them and to get like we, with our students in the summer, we each gave them all the 360 cameras yeah. and uh, like the, the go cameras and um, just all it is, is giving them the opportunity, giving our people the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. This story is from when we first introduced technology to our company. And that was with the heavy equipment simulators. I had an S, aesthetic business on the side um and my husband and i were my husband was running i was working with the business and i was um kind of doing the background stuff the administration and uh that type of stuff i i he he always asked me you know like come run with me come run with me (laughs) and i'm um i just said i'm not like i'm not ready you know i'm not ready yet i love doing what i'm doing i'm not ready yet and I knew it was because my why wasn't the same as his why. Um, my why changed dramatically when uh, we had people from Webequay, First Nation, come down to Thunder Bay to do some heavy equipment screenings. And a young woman um, in her early 20s, her name's Ashley, um, she came to Thunder Bay and, uh, I don't know if you know about, um, uh, the seven fallen feathers from Thunder Bay. Um, but it's, uh, it's a book that you should read okay. and it's basically about, uh, four students that were, uh, murdered in Thunder Bay mm-hmm. and, um, you know, racism's raging where we are. And so I remember, you know, talking to Ashley's mom and saying, I'm a mom, I got her, you know, I'll drive her to the hotel, I'll pick her up, I'll bring her to our office, you know, she's not, she has myself, she needs anything, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got her, don't worry about it, because I know how many, you know, it's natural for any parent, Indigenous or not, to be, um, you know, concerned about their, their child, whether they're in their 20s or not, um, going to a, a place with that repu- kind of rep- reputation, um, however, Ashley, long story short, Ashley, um, graduated from a heavy equipment, uh, training. She was, um, then placed with an industry partner of ours. She now makes more money, um, than her own father has ever. Mm. She's a role model for her community. Was like any typical Indigenous youth from the north sitting in their room, gaming, mm. bored, 
um, no hope. So when this changed for Ashley, that became my why. Here I was, you know, thinking that, you know, I love what I do. I love what I do. Okay, I was basically um, making women, privileged women, hmm. feel even better about themselves <laughs> when they left my my space. Yeah. When I can spend my time walking along youth in their journey and, and seeing them succeed like this, changing their life not their eyelashes <laughs> right so that's when it changed for me that's when i ran hard and i haven't stopped running that's that's so awesome i love it my um my grandfather the most important advice he ever gave to me was that that uh, we have a responsibility to do heavy lifting right to do to do work and whatever that work looks like um it, we have a responsibility to do that for our people and our young people and our communities mm -hmm. and, and all that stuff. So that responsibility is there and, and that's something we should, we, we need to um, um, chase. We need to do that work. But mm -hmm. he said that work has to bring you joy, right? That, that work has to make you happy. Um, that work has to uh, feed your soul, right? Uh, otherwise the heavy world lifting is just exhausting. You just get tired, burnt out, you're done. So make sure that it brings you joy and that you love doing it because then you can do the work, the heavy lifting endlessly every day, run harder and harder and harder because that's, that's the fuel, right? The joy and the happiness. So, wow, that's amazing. That's a lovely, lovely story. That's a, thank you for sharing. I'm very yeah. grateful that you shared that with us, Melissa. Thank you so much. Yeah. What are your thoughts in terms of how the digital space, particularly in terms of identity and the work that, that, that can be done, there and I guess in the context of your company and the work you do, what could you share uh, with our listeners and others around, you know, navigating this space in a good way and just I, always making sure that it is done in a good way and and not I think you mentioned it earlier like not chasing the payday because the payday is a dangerous dangerous thing to chase. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have to say that everything that I do on a personal level, I try to do on a personal level. And everything that we try to do at Origin um, mm -hmm. revolves around our seven grandfather teachings. Mm -hmm. You know, they're used as a part of our company values. Mm -hmm. um, they aim to drive the right behaviors of people who, who work for Origin. Um, and we always try to pass on those teachings. Um, we also have a new... Um, a new platform called um, Immersive Link 7. Um, so basically this is taking the cultural content and traditional philosophies and pushing them through a modern lens. Right. Um, so the modern lens is being representative through the virtual virtual reality. Um, it also takes the same philosophy and bringing it into the, into the schools, into the communities mm -hmm. and training centers. Um, Corporate Canada now, right? And uh, all well, of course, uh, testing um, aptitude and application in a reflective manner. Um, it also enhances identity um, due to the access to the information and the increase of connection to each other. So, like I said, all, all the urban areas and urban Indians, <laughs> Indians and um, um, 
you know, non-Indigenous people have access to this? Um, and why not our Northern communities? You know, that it always, you know, we service non-Indigenous and Indigenous people across Canada now. Um, but we all, we started with our, our North. We started with the Northern, um, you know, remote communities. We'll always, that'll always be the heart of our, of what we do. Um, and, um, you know, the, those are the people in the communities. There are why. And uh, if we don't share this with everyone, um, I like like you said earlier, we have a responsibility. Um, I'm not a fan of. Uh, I'm becoming a fan <laughs> of uh, public speaking. I would not trust me if you knew before. Oh my goodness, I'd just be a mess uh, preparing for something like this. But um, you know, I always remember what my what, what my mama said, uh, my grandmother. She said, "Speak even if your voice is shaking, my girl, because um, we were no, we were allowed to speak before. You know, as women, we weren't allowed to speak before. So, you know, take it a step further. Indigenous people, our voices being heard now. Um, there seems to be a slight spotlight on on um, on us right now across Canada. So, you know, I just." Um, oh, I just always believe that if I, you know, can teach someone, if I can share something with someone, if I can save someone from any kind of heartache, I'll, I'll share with you and tell you why. And my kids can attest to that. Because <laughs> I, I swear my favorite saying to them is, I want to save you 20 years. So listen to this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really rewarding work because it's, it's helping people. I mean, you can make a living like helping people and promoting, you know, reconciliation and, and, and edu educating people and our people. And, and it's all through our words. It's not through anyone else's lens. Oh, interesting. It's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you for everything that you do and the impact you're having. I mean, I can just imagine uh, in a previous life, I helped do recruitment for a trades program or trades training and placement through an organization here on Vancouver Island called the Vancouver Island Trades Association. And, and um, uh, we would, we would find, uh, I was responsible for indigenous recruitment. So we, I would go to all the communities up and down Vancouver Island and, and, you know, I, I placed in the time I was there just over two years, um, uh, about 800 people in trades um, just, just through training and program. And so uh, I can just imagine when I, when I, when I, when I understand your company now and what you do and, and BR wasn't an option back then, or if at least it was not, I mean, I mean, we, it would have just been, uh, you know, having that kind of resource or tool, I think would have been life-changing for folks. And I can just, I saw how happy they were just having the opportunity and being resourced to be successful. And so I can imagine that amplified and magnified, just in terms of amazing scale um, by having the kind of tools and the resources that, that you're, that you've dreamed up, that you're delivering. Wow. Wow. Every time we have one of these podcasts and we talk with indigenous people across the country, I'm always just, wow. And I didn't know before. And I saw if, if we accomplish anything in this podcast, it's just <laughs> to share with the world that there are amazing, powerful indigenous men and women and people in communities doing amazingly crazy things that are going to change the world for us forever. So I just want to say thank you for everything that you do. And so Hela Kesla, thank you. Jimmy Gwetch, it's, it's an honor. Oh.
Nicholas, it's been such a pleasure. Thank it's you. An, it's been an honor. Jimmy Gwatch, anytime. Well, careful, we'll hold you to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>